Welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. These are talks and conversations about the centrality of Jesus and his kingdom from our community. Enjoy. Um, So, my name is Eric. As I said, I'm one of the pastors here at Axiom, and I have the privilege of being able to talk to you today um, uh, about this question of what is a Christian. Of course, Gavin, last week, if you were here, you know that he took us through uh, an opening sermon to kind of introduce us to this concept of working through what is it exactly to be a Christian. Um, as Gavin noted last week, it can be difficult sometimes for Christians themselves to want to associate with their sisters and brothers who share this name with them. And yet somehow, some way, we are also supposed to press in, even when we don't always agree with the folks who are around us, even when we are t- might be tempted to say, oh, no, 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 not me, right? I'm not like them. I want to open with a... Uh, I want to open with a quote because really the whole question of what is a Christian, I'm going to suggest today leads us into a question about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, I toyed with having uh, this quotation on the screen the whole time, but uh, Kobe in the back thought that that might be a little depressing, so I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> this is a quote from uh, one of, I think, probably one of the most like, you know, uh, legit critics of Christianity, legit, and then in that he's a really difficult person to answer in reference to the criticisms that he levels. He was a philosopher in the 19th century. Uh, his name was Friedrich Nietzsche. Some of you guys might recognize him. Remember that he's the guy with the big bushy mustache. Um, No, not me. Uh, (laughs) This is a quote from his that comes from a book that was perhaps appropriately titled Antichrist. The very word Christianity is a misunderstanding. In truth, there was only one Christian, and he died on the cross. It's a troubling indictment as we sit here in the 21st century. (laughs) It might lead us to think, oh, well, oh, well, (laughs) we tried. But as Gavin noted last week, it can be difficult for Christians themselves to want to associate with their brothers and sisters who share this title. Or we may change our own assigned nomenclature in order to avoid an association that we don't prefer. When I was growing up uh, in the church, as I think Gavin mentioned as well, the name Jesus follower was something that people like to embrace. Say, no, 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 I like to think of myself as more of a Jesus follower, not a Christian. Even some of, uh, in some of my classrooms today, students will think that the term Christian and evangelical are just political, political terms, the names for political groups in the United States. But this idea to want to default to Jesus' follower, well, I I get it. I get the sentiment, the desire to kind of shift the conversation. But words matter. The meanings of the words that we use matter. And I want to suggest to you today that maybe the term Christian is, is worth keeping, worth holding on to, because what we are, in some sense, It's more than just followers. More than just a follower. When we say you can follow somebody on social media, 
You follow certain influencers, certain voices. I really like to follow the career of this particular performer or artist. I like to follow this band. I followed their whole career. Yes, we follow Jesus, but there's something more that happens. And I think the, the term Christian, which, as some of us may know, started off as a criticism in some ways of those who professed Jesus as Lord, although it was a derogatory term, it holds something important. And I would say that the truth is that if being a Christian is simply a matter of being like Jesus, then Nietzsche might have been right. I don't know very many people who are like Jesus exactly. I would say that I myself struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, not very many of us. There aren't very many people that I know who have arrived at this state of perfection where when the door opens, the light shines in, a little halo appears above their head. <laughs> I want to suggest to you that being a Christian is more than being like Jesus. It is a more, it's more active than that. It is less of an arrival and more of an unfolding of a reshaping of who we are, something that is proven throughout the activity and transformation of one's entire life, a transformation that occurs by and through the power of God. Don't get me wrong. This process has moments in it, but a single moment is not the whole thing. The whole thing that God is after is all of you not just a moment. It is your whole life in God. So, what is it that is shaping you, that is reshaping you? What disciple, what are you a disciple of? Are you a Christian? Or are you something else? We remember that Christian means little Christ. Are you a little Christ? Are you a little fill in the gap, fill in the blank? Little Democrat, little Republican, little American. Little artist, little football player, little XYZ. What are you the disciple of? Because as Christians, we are called to rely, to rely wholly and to have our lives shaped by the saving power of Jesus Christ. And that saving power is ruling our entire life. And I think that that's how and why the term Christian began to get applied to the folks who were disciples of Jesus. And we will read, if you want to get your Bibles out, I don't, they're not going to come up on screen. I had too many verses here. I had about 15, so I didn't want to make them put that up there. <laughs> we first see this term Christian 
this little Christ term. In Acts 11, the later part of verse 26, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now this is a small fragment here of a much larger story, but the point is that originally this name Christian was intentionally given to the disciples of Jesus. Yes, a term perhaps of ridicule, some context suggests that, but it was a way of demarcating those folks who were the disciples of Jesus Christ, a man who had died and risen from the dead. At least that is what they claimed. It was deemed a helpful term by those who followed this posture orienting their lives around Jesus. These people who allowed themselves to be transformed. And indeed, the apostle Peter, one of the original 12 who were being discipled by Jesus, he even writes in one of his letters, and we read in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, if you suffer, he writes, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. It wasn't just a derogatory term. It was something that was a cause for celebration, that you were, if you were being caused to suffer because you received this label, that it was somehow good. So if a Christian, then, was a disciple of Jesus Christ, the question that should follow is, what was a disciple? Because it was those who were disciples of Jesus that were the Christians. We look to Scripture, to the Bible, to see what that, what that entails. For those of you, this is your first time here. The Bible, this text... It's something of a, a roadmap for us to understand as Christians what Jesus has to say about what reality is, what God has to say about what reality is and how we view reality. And so we look to this Bible to understand. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 31, to the Jews who have believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teachings, his teachings, of course, what we know of Jesus' teachings emerge out of the Bible. And this is why we look to the Bible in part as a source. John then writes later in chapter 13 of the same gospel, verse 34 and 35. A new command, and this is Jesus speaking. There is a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And now here, this is where it gets key. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love here. As disciples, love is key, it is central to understanding what it means to be a Christian then. Because a Christian, as we will remember, is a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus himself is saying, this is what matters. 
So we should perhaps reflect as we're going through here, what exactly is love? Because the same statement is affirmed later by the original disciples of Jesus, by Paul himself who encounters the Spirit of Christ on the road to Damascus, who has this radical supernatural encounter that literally knocks him off his horse. (laughs) We read in 1 Corinthians a letter that Paul was writing to some Christians of the first century. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, we read, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Then later in the same letter, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, verse 14, he writes, do everything in love. This word love emerging over and over again. Everything is to be done in love. Everything is done in love. Not some things. Everything. Another original disciple of Jesus, one who is one of Jesus' closest friends, who knew Jesus in the flesh as well as in the spirit, John wrote a letter to Christians restating the same importance. Dear friends, he says, let us love one one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. That is Jesus. His one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Loving is so central to what it means to be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, because it is the condition in which we find ourselves standing in God. It is how God is made known in our lives and into the world. No one has seen God, he writes. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It is what constitutes the true knowledge of God. And we receive it through Jesus Christ, the Son that God sends into the world. It is what we mean when we say that God's Word 
was made flesh and walked among us. We are disciples of Jesus because Jesus is the manifest reality of God. Isn't it so, though, that we have this tendency to get trapped in patterns of thinking rightly about these things? But, we'll, but we see here with this word, this terminology, that love is not just a matter of right thinking. I say it's what, love is what constitutes knowledge of God. It would be a mistake for you to hear in that. It's what constitutes a sitting around and thinking. Oh, good, I have it in my mind that there is this thing called love, and that is what God is. That is perfect, great. Because the question that should come up right now is what is this thing that we're talking about when we're talking about love? To borrow a Raymond Carver short story title, what do we talk about when we talk about love? What do we mean here? What is love? Because unfortunately, it can be a term that sometimes is very vague. I've spoken in the past about the difficulty with discerning what exactly love is. Because while you might love a double cheeseburger, I would guess that you probably don't mean the same thing as when you say you love your spouse, right? Or your partner or your significant other. There's two different things being described there. And it's not just warm, gushy feelings. If we return to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we look to verse 4, we get some clarity from Paul about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. In verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. Love does not delight in evil, but rejo rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty heavy love. Elsewhere, again, we read from John, one of Jesus' closest friends, from 1 John 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. We see love here as a giving. We give up what we are. Being a disciple then, being a Christian, a little Christ, is not about you finding yourself. It is about seeing that you have been found by God and in God, and that you are now in God through Jesus' love, and it is not about you. It is about others. It is about you emptying yourself and giving yourself over. We surrender when we enter into this thing called being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus. 
This might seem like a strange and difficult task. As you're sitting here, you might say, yes, I have that ambition. I've always had that ambition. But ambition, in fact, if I can just say for myself, they don't always line up. The power to do these things does not, though, come from your will or your effort. Peter writes in another le- in a second letter, he writes of Jesus. We see this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. His, that is, Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith, to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we must go back around to that verse 3 and reiterate his divine power has given, given us everything we need. And these are the qualities here we seek after that constitute knowledge of Jesus, of God. But what's so interesting is so many of these are clearly active these activities, to be a disciple then is not just information, it is information that leads to action. And in fact, isn't that what we've seen throughout all of these texts I've gone through, the call to love? To know, to have knowledge of the character and person of God is to have experienced the love of God who loves first. It is then in response to participate as Peter writes, in the very divine nature of God. To participate in a divine nature which suggests something more than just you and who you are. To be a disciple is to become. It is a process of becoming. Becoming an agent of the gospel. The good news of the coming of the kingdom of God to be filled with the transformative power of God's fullness and his self-offering love, that those around us then can't help but know Jesus. To know that we are his. And as as Peter writes, this is how we avoid being ineffective and unproductive, as he puts it, in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. As James, Jesus' own brother, famously put it in James chapter 2, verse 14, what, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is a call here. A call to affirm the good of what this name, this term Christian means. That we may leave this room today seeking to be disciples in the true sense. To be Christians in the true sense. Little Christs with a, with a living and active faith. One that brings us evermore into a posture of love. Ever in a state of becoming more and more open to the transformative work of Jesus Christ. May we be Christians in the original sense of the word. Faith that is activity made real in the world as a sign of the promise and hope of who Jesus Christ really was and is today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that it is, it is your power that works through us. That we don't do these things by our own strength. Thank you for your kindness, your gentleness, the way that you walk beside us and walk with us in these things. We're grateful for all you are, Lord, in your holy name.